0: Trigger warning, the following podcast contains discussions about sensitive and potentially triggering topics, including instances of abuse towards children and sexual violence. Listener discretion is strongly advised, and please take care while listening.
1: The woods can be a scary place. Dark shadows creeping in the moonlight, unfamiliar sounds surrounding you, stalking you. Is it a ghost, a werewolf, or something more human? What would you do if you found yourself lost in the strange woods? Join us as we discuss the paranormal, true crime,
2: and anything in between with your hosts Jeremy, you're clipping Peter. Jonathan,
1: your peaks are way peeking.
3: And Peter, what? we'll talk about my peaks. Welcome to the Strange Woods Podcasts. Does
0: everybody
3: need? Did anybody need to uh, warm up vocally? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's probably
1: a That's probably out of baby. It's
0: boys.
3: Whoa! You're clipping Peter. Whatever
1: you just Ooh. did, I don't blah, recommend blah, 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 it again. Blah, 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 blah. Your peaks are way peaking.
0: Yeah.
3: We'll talk about my peaks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there we go. Quote one and quote two. <laughs> Your peaks are peaking. Don't, call it. don't talk about my peaks. It's a
2: family show.
0: It is. This is a family establishment, guys. Get it together.
2: Yeah, we at least bleep out F-words when we don't miss them. We do. Sometimes. Do I still get bleeped at least once a show?
0: hmm
3: Okay. Yeah, we tend to not have uh, F-words anymore, um, but that's not the case if you listen to our old episodes. Sorry.
2: This is a family show. Uh, No, I usually hold back. We'll occasionally have an episode to where I um, let them out a little more frequently. We'll see how tonight goes.
0: Yeah, let's do it. I'm I'm uh,
2: 100% blind tonight. I don't know. Yeah, I definitely think it's going to be a kind of night. You know how the back of your brakes is supposed to have a squealer? They don't do that anymore. What?
1: Oh, well, the new one that I put on (laughs) does have a squealer, but apparently... Like a pig? Yeah. no, like it's just tattletail. this little thing. It's a little tab that rubs the rotor to tell you, hey, the brakes are starting to go by. It's oh, is so that, what, goes, that does,
0: does e- the squeaky e- e- thing? Yeah. That's where it comes from? Yeah. Oh, well, the squealer? Um, that's adorable.
1: My truck went from... Apparently, yeah, squeal- <laughs> apparently somebody snapped the squealers off of mine.
3: What an asshole.
1: When they installed them because the other side didn't have them at all. So when I started hearing a sound coming from my brakes, I was like... Oh, is, you know, it's just the squealer starting to rub. Um, no, no, not at all. So the, somehow I wore through the brake pads. And when I'd look at them from the front side, I was like, man, that thing's got like a lot of pad left. It's, you know, it's just the squealer. So the entire pad on the back side was gone. We were about 30 <laughs> minutes from the house, the house the other day. And I heard just a, a loud, you know, kabam. And like, The truck, all of a sudden, the brake pedal goes to the floor. And then then I was like, I I pumped on it and they built pressure back up. And I was like, oh, we'll make it home. So I did my best to not touch the brakes the whole way going home. Oh, Jesus. It was mostly highway. So it it was fine. But we pull into the driveway. (laughs) The last time I touched We're just going 80 mile an hour.
2: Who needs to stop? (laughs)
0: It's fine. We'll make it.
1: The last time I touched the brakes, and going into the driveway, it goes all the way back to the floor. We turn off the truck, get out the truck, and there's a huge puddle of brake fluid under the truck. <gasps> Jesus! The 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 loud bang sound that we heard was the brake pad on the back side somehow snapping in half and coming out from the caliper. I was using the actual caliper rams
3: to stop, <laughs> like the, like <laughs> the thing that holds the the brake, brake pad in place. Oh, yes. Jesus. I don't know anything about cars, but that sounds like a terrible idea.
1: Every other pad was
2: like a quarter inch thick. Wow, so just that one was bad.
1: Yeah, somehow it wore out the backside of the passenger side.
2: I have have worn the pads down to basically nothing to where there was no squealer. It was just straight grinding, and I had to get new rotors for that one. Oof.
0: So it sounds to me like, I mean, Jonathan, serious question. Did somebody cut your brake line? Are you in the mob?
2: No, no, I'd be
1: getting paid a lot more if I was in the mob.
0: Oh, word. Okay.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Anybody want to pay us
0: to be in the mob? Hey, hey. No, no, JK. JK. We were sending that. No. (laughs) Funny, Peter, tell another one.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Let's be real. We're all too soft to be in the mob.
0: Absolutely. Yep. Just scoot (laughs) on by whoever's listening. I mean, nobody's listening. Oh, my God. We're going to die. All right. Okay, you guys. Okay, so I know none of you know what's coming on tonight. Um, it is a bodies and it, it is a cool one. So what I originally started out looking for was, and it's not a spoiler because apparently it doesn't exist, which upsets me. I was looking for like a killer barber, like Sweeney Todd. Cause I was like, I wonder if that's like a real thing, like like a like a barber who killed people. And it's not, spoiler alert, Um, it was, uh, Sweeney Todd was based on a book and it was completely fictitious, you know, as far as anybody knows.
3: That's what they want you to think.
0: So I kind of went down a little rabbit hole of weird murderers you've never heard of. And that's where I got my story. But first, we have a listener story.
3: We have a story from Anonymous Andrea from the UK. She says, I've had things like this happen a lot overnight. I call it an attack. Some people might say sleep paralysis, but I don't believe that. There was really a presence on my chest. It wasn't a nightmare. It wasn't a hallucination. He was really there right in front of my face. I know what I saw. I still remember how he looked, and I know I was awake. I was not sleeping. I was on my phone. These attacks have happened before. I once saw a demon taking a baby form and the baby was running around me laughing and playing. When I saw it, I thought it was a real baby. I was so confused, thinking, how did a baby get in? What's going on? But later realized it was demonic. Demons are shapeshifters. That time, I was also attacked by the baby demon. It was creepy, and the place I was living in was haunted, a very old building where that happened. I remember thinking about it for days, and just dying to tell my friend the following morning, but I didn't. I kept my mouth shut. I was thinking I need to tell someone, but then I knew no one would believe me. Speaking about the paranormal with everybody isn't easy. A lot of people think you're mad and report you to mental health services. It's hard to trust people or to talk openly.
2: Andrea, I don't know if you're a longtime listener or not. Um, We did have an episode where I talked about my sleep paralysis spells um, over the years. And uh, yeah, no, it's... It's interesting. I don't know if "interesting" is the right word. Horrifying is how I would describe it if I went Bro. through what you did. No. Well, what right. is interesting is that you know I can read online and I know at least chemically and biologically what's going on whenever you have sleep sleep paralysis, but this the feeling you get when it actually happens, like it doesn't allow the logical part of your brain. To kind of feel out what it is. It just goes straight to like, no, you're dying.
3: (laughs) I would imagine it's akin to like, I don't know how much y'all have dabbled with like VR, but when we went to New York a few years ago, we went to a wax museum where they had a Ghostbusters VR experience. And part of that was you walk out onto a balcony over New York. It's not a real balcony, but you're in VR. But it feels so real because when you step out, you're actually opening a physical door and you step onto like a grating and you have the wind blowing on you. And it just feels like, like I couldn't walk out of this door because I felt like I was actually about to walk out the window of a skyscraper.
2: Yeah. Like something in your brain telling you, like, no, you shouldn't do this. Yeah. Like <laughs> you know, you know, it's not real, but you can't trick your brain. Yeah. I mean, especially when it's like, Hitting that many of your senses, you know what I mean? All at once. It's like, it just, it really tricks your brain.
0: Well, let's go, let's go to the other end. What if she really was awake? How terrifying.
2: What if it was a demon?
0: How terrifying. And a baby?
2: Yeah. The babies were good to me. Dude,
0: there's something extra creepy about it being a baby. I guess maybe because that innocence, you know, like you just think of a child as being innocent. And A demon as being anything but and so like when you merge those two that that oh my god that's some scary crap right there
1: whether i was awake or not if i saw something that looked like one of our babies (gasps) and then it came and attacked me
0: oh Oh my god we're
1: burning the house down
0: hello
2: and hell with that fortunately i've never had visual hallucinations with My sleep paralysis, it's always been auditory, which is
0: scary enough. Yeah.
2: It still sets the mood for (laughs) For creepy time.
0: Can you imagine like, uh, Ooh, seeing something like that. And like, to the point that she thought, how did a baby get in here? Like she, she thought it was like, like she really thought it was a, an actual child. And then well, yeah. she's like, it's a demon. <laughs> logic
2: is out the door. Like your your brain oh, is yeah. not ready to process these things.
0: I mean, how do you even?
2: And see, for me, I've had
3: dreams where I can't tell that it's not real life. But at the same time, I don't have logical thoughts like, how did a baby get in here? I just accept it when I'm in a dream. When you wake up, you're like, what the hell? Anything goes in a dream. Right. So like, I feel like if I dreamed that there was a demon baby in my room, I'd probably just accept it. And be Like, that's f-ing weird. I, I don't know. It, it it feels like something that she would know if she was dreaming or not.
0: Right. And she said she was on her phone. She wasn't, a, she, she really feels like she was awake. She was not, and she, like, she's very adamant about that. This wasn't a nightmare. This wasn't a hallucination. It was in front of my face. I know what I saw. And then it goes back to, like, people who were involved with Mothman and people who, you know, the Travis Walton thing, You don't want to say this to people because if you didn't see it and you weren't there, you sound nuts. You know, like she said, they think you're mad and they'll report you to mental health services. (laughs) They'll come scoop you up. So like, oh God, can you imagine not being able to talk to anybody about that? That's why she wanted to be anonymous. Thank you. Anonymous Andrea, Andrea of the UK We appreciate your story from across the pond. It's pretty awesome. And uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you saw that. Um, Let us know. Have you seen anything else? Like, um, is this something that happens to you frequently? Are you are you sensitive to this kind of thing? Feel free to write in. We'll keep you anonymous. But yeah, it's really cool to hear from first, you know, first person, not just a story, you know, regurgitated from a story, regurgitated from a story on YouTube, that's what I love about these listener stories is that it's real people who tell us, okay, this happened to me. So I don't know. I think it's cool. So if you want to write some more stuff to us, if, or if any of you guys listening want to write in, please give us your stories, give them to us.
1: Yeah, That's what I was going to say. You know, don't be afraid to, to share your stories here.
3: This is a yeah. safe place for
1: you to this do so. Is.
0: It's you a judgment free zone, man. You'll be like, an like, a, like a chain that we won't mention the name of. Not sponsored.
2: Yeah, only Jeremy will make a front of. you. Only I will judge you. Um, <laughs> even though I'm the only one of this group that's experienced the most paranormal <laughs> <That's true>.
3: stuff.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna throw this out there. I, I mean, I liked your story, and I, you know, I enjoyed your story. But um, if this is a roommate situation, and we have a baby demon in the house. You damn well tell me. You should let him know. This damn sure goes for y'all too. If we're ever on vacation (laughs) together and I don't know, Airbnb and there's a baby demon in the house, you damn sure let me know.
0: You better. I can say something <laughs> amen sir i will back that up 100 percent. you better not let no damn demon baby crawl around the corner if you know it's there you better clear your throat something i don't know at a minimum let me hey, hurry huh, huh, baby, demon baby. Back <laughs> the house. hey
3: jonathan i am hallucinating a demon baby going towards your room just for, fyi
0: just fyi
3: <laughs> i'm
1: about to become a field goal kicker if you see it in that in a baby crawl.
0: Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Want
2: him. The best part is I'd be so deadpan about it, but hey, bro, I just saw a baby demon in your room, so be careful.
0: Yeah,
3: imagine that, like you're laying down, you're going to sleep, you get a text from somebody you know is in the other room, it's like, hey, I just saw a demon baby going toward your room. Uh, I'm like,
0: sorry, what? Like, I'm, I'm <laughs> sleeping I saw
3: Am I taking that seriously? They they might be dead ass serious, but I don't know that I would be taking that seriously.
1: I'm just saying, if you tell me that and we're in the same house, I'm sleeping in a car. It yeah. doesn't matter how much we paid for the Airbnb.
0: Yep. And I'm going to get some holy water and some candles and a Bible and some chicken bones and a voodoo doll. And I'm I'm protecting myself. Star of David, I'm protecting myself against everything.
2: Doing all the things. I think oh salt my. is good enough.
0: Salt. salt. A, yes. The old
2: salt circle and you're probably fine. Salt circle of salt. Yeah. A uh, Hocus Pocus.
0: Yay. Shout out to Hocus Pocus. All right. Do y'all want to get into it?
2: Yeah. Learn me something tonight. Right. Tell us a good story, Brady.
0: I'm going to tell y'all a story. Guess what That's I heard? What? What you got heard. So what I got heard is that there was this murderer. All right, homies. So I am going to tell you guys the tale of the giggling granny.
3: (gasps) Yeah, I don't like that already. Yeah, that's (laughs) that's disturbing.
0: (laughs) Oh, you have no idea. So her name is Nancy Hazel Doss. They called her nanny which is extra creepy to me for some reason. She was born in 1905 and she is responsible for 11 deaths over the course of three decades. Uh, they also call her the Lonely Hearts Widow, the Jolly Black Widow and Lady Bluebeard.
3: Bluebeard? That's rude.
0: So Bluebeard was um, a nobleman that was known to take young brides and young, young lovers and that they would disappear. Oh. Way back in the gap. There's like, I didn't dig too much into him, but I, I did. I, I've heard of him before. I figured y'all would ask who that was. Nicknamed him Bluebeard, this guy. And he was known to just disappear women. So she's a lady Bluebeard. Yikes. So she uh, was born in Blue Mountain, Alabama, which is now a part of Anniston, Alabama, which is actually a place Whoa. that my family and I lived. I know. Isn't that crazy? Wow. I didn't know that. when I started out. I know. And Anniston's a very small town, so it's kind of... It's kind of a cool coincidence. So um, she grew up in a household, very, very hard beginnings in this in this lady's life. She grew up in a household where she was an illegitimate daughter to a woman that uh, had like a brief affair with a military man that disappeared right after. And so she was just this bastard child. And her mother, Louisa, very quickly met up with a man who uh, married her but was an alcoholic and was physically and emotionally and sexually uh, abusive to his children. So she had hard beginnings from the beginning. Mostly with the with the father, he would allow family members to be abusive to this young girl and not his children that resulted from the marriage, so she was always kind of a plaything for everyone else, but if anybody looked at his kids sideways, they would, you know, he would give them a swift ass kick him.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, he also believed that women encouraged that kind of behavior because this was that that time in history where, you know, women still did not-
3: Were asking for it, quote unquote. Yeah.
0: yeah. So he wouldn't let them wear makeup. He wouldn't let them wear pretty clothes. Um, he barely let them go to school. They were only allowed to go to school in the wintertime. And it was that thing of, you know, had to walk uphill- both ways kind of thing, They literally in the snow. So she had a very poor education. It, it was not a great situation. So the other thing that happens a lot with serial killers that you hear about is head injuries, right? Um, at the age of nine, the family was going to visit another part of it, some relatives out of town and they took a train. Well, something jumped out on the tracks and the conductor hit the brakes really hard. Young nanny flew forward and the next thing she knows, she wakes up on the ground. So they'd hit the brakes so hard and she was not restrained. And she flew and hit her head on one of the bars in the train. And the concussion was so bad that it gave her chronic migraines, um, blackout episodes, and uh, depression for the rest of her life. Thanks. So you got abuse and you got head injury that are common to killers Sounds so, like a
3: recipe for a great time. Sounds
0: like a recipe for a great time. But in spite of that, her favorite activity as a young girl was reading her mother's romance novels and magazines. She was she dreamed of the ultimate romance. And that was, I mean, it makes sense because in the environment that she was in was so unromantic and cruel and unhappy. And she would open these magazines and these books and read about these men that would come and sweep women off their feet and, you know,
3: So basically looking for an escape and looking for an
0: escape. Escapism is key. Yes. So, So as a result of this, when she was 16 years old and she had her first job at the linen factory, she met a young man, her first husband, Charlie Bragg. He was 17. She was 16. They knew each other for about five months before she convinced her dad to let him get married to her. And she thought, this is it. I'm moving out. I'm I'm going. I'm going to live this romantic life. Well, immediately when she moves in, the husband's mom is at the house, like the wedding night. And she's like, oh, hey, what up? Uh, Nice to see you. Hey, Charlie, when is is your mom going home? And Charlie's like, oh, no, no. She's going to live with us. Mm. So he has to, yeah, so she has to live with her mother-in-law, who... Takes up all of her husband's time.
3: Not for long, if I have my uh, suspicions correct.
0: Basically um, intervenes whenever they try to get romantic with each other. Monopolizes his time. Yeah. So in spite of that, they managed to have four daughters from 1923 to 1927. So she was always pregnant. That's a lot of pregnant. That is a lot of pregnant. So (laughs) she and her husband cheat on each other because they... You know, there's no, nothing there. And she starts to drink to cope with her mother-in-law and starts heavily smoking, which would become a lifetime addiction. It was healthy back then though, right? It was, it was. It was before it was was unhealthy. It was prescribed by doctors. So her oldest daughter was Malvina. Her younger daughter was Florine. And then she had two middle daughters. Uh, Well, in 1927, mysteriously, the two middle daughters suddenly died of what they thought was food poisoning. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Charlie had been on a bender. He'd been out. And when he came in, um, he comes to his house to find that his two middle girls are dead. So he immediately suspects Nanny, takes Malvina and leaves. Well, the mother-in-law stays behind.
3: (laughs) What does that say about somebody that you immediately suspect
0: that person? Oh, he he reported that he left his wife because he was frightened of her. God. Yeah. But to everyone around her, she was like this effervescent, like, um, real showy, real talkative. She compensated a lot for what she didn't have. They said she was like magnetic. She had this big smile, um, always happy, you know, always played the part of the doting wife and the daughter-in-law, but I guess hence the giggling part. um, Wait, put a pin in that. Um, So he took off with Malvina and almost immediately after that, his mom died. Hmm. Yeah. The mother-in-law who had stayed behind with nanny
1: well why would and, she need her anymore
0: <laughs> i mean yeah. uh, hello whoop chuck it um so nanny gets a job in a cotton mill to support herself and her baby and charlie brings Melvina right back immediately after his mom dies and he takes off and he's gone well <clears throat> nanny's moving on with her life she finds husband number two robert franklin he also alcoholic And he's got a criminal record. She found out about these things after they got married, but managed to make the marriage last for 16 years. So she's married to him and Melvina. And um, I got to get her name right. I think it's Florine was the baby. So she's just got the two girls now. So her two girls grow up and Melvina has the first grandchild, um, a little boy named Robert. About two years after that, Malvina is in labor with another baby, a little girl, and l- delivers the baby. Nanny is in the room with her, and the baby died before she could be named. Like, she died very, very quickly. Well... This bitch. Wait a minute. Oh, dude, you have no idea. So, this is kind of graphic.
3: Yeah, trigger warning here.
0: Trigger warning, yes. Um, if you If you don't want to hear this, you might want to skip forward about... 30 or so seconds, um, Malvina communicates to her husband and sister that she doesn't know if it was the ether that they used to help her with the delivery or if she was just exhausted, but that she thought that she saw her mother pierce the baby's head with a hat pin. What? Yes. So you know what a hat pin is? No. Women used to um, take these long metal pins, probably, I don't know, six to eight inches long with a decorative end, and they would put it through the hat into their hair so that like if a breeze picked up, um, it would stay on their head. So so maybe I'm getting
3: ahead of things, but th- was she like, does she not like her daughter that she's killing her daughter's kids? Or? Well,
0: kind of what I, I watched um, a couple of, Um, documentaries and read a few things. And basically kind of what I can gather is inconvenience. Children were an inconvenience and it would have been much easier for her to not have a two little babies, one behind each other. Cause remember she had Robert, Robert was two. And then she had another baby, you know, so they're only two years apart. So that's two little, little kids. So maybe in her mind, she thought she was helping Trying to save her daughter from the burden. That's the thing.
3: Like, I'm wondering here so far. Like, is this lady evil or is she crazy? Like, is she just off her rocker and thinks she's doing good things?
0: Maybe both. Maybe both. TBD. Oh, look she she's just she's just getting started. Okay.
2: Good lord.
0: So yeah, tri- definitely trigger warning.
2: Utilize like the soft spot.
0: Yes. Absolutely. I didn't, I didn't want to specifically say that because I feel like that's even more graphic. Um, But yeah. Yeah. So Malvina mentions this to her husband and her sister and they're like, she said, how did the baby, how did she die? And they said, we don't know. Um, Nanny told us, we came in and Nanny told us that the baby was dead and they noted that she had a hat pin with her. Jesus. Yeah. So. I mean, they
3: they couldn't look at the baby and see if there was a puncture?
0: Well, it says, all it says was that the doctors were not able to give a positive explanation. It was kind of thought that maybe the baby um, had low oxygen when she was um, delivering the baby um, because, you know, they didn't have what they had now. And if your child can become hypoxic during the delivery process. So, and that was not unusual so they kind of thought maybe she was just oxygen deprived for too long and just didn't survive.
2: Also, I think most people aren't going to automatically assume that grandmama stabbed a baby. Hello. Well, exactly. Maybe if, if
3: somebody said, hey, I think I saw her stabbing my baby, I mean, maybe they would check for a hole.
0: Well, she was, but listen, but she was high on ether and she had apparently was a very difficult labor and and delivery. So she was like, I think it was a dream. She's like, I, uh, how did my baby die? I think I was hallucinating. And so, miraculously, nobody nobody <sighs> raises the alarm. Okay, crazy, right? All right. So the death of this baby causes a rift between her daughter Malvina and the husband. Loss of a child, I imagine, that's a very very common thing.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, so they end up splitting. Malvina starts dating a military man, and Nanny did not approve of this guy for whatever reason and it would be the result of big old fights between nanny and her daughter and after a very very particularly bad argument melvina said you know what i'm 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 not staying here i'm leaving um, i don't want to be around you and left the house and left her son robert in nanny's care so left robert in in nanny's care and uh, the next day he was dead. So Jeez. both of Melvina's children, dead. Uh, ruled as asphyxia is uh, is what they said. Um, and she, m- m- Nanny, immediately collected a $500 insurance policy that she had taken out on little boy Robert. Good Lord, man. Yeah, so that's around $8,000 in today's money. It's not yeah. very much. To kill a child, yeah, but um, why would she take out a policy on a two-year-old?
1: It's crazy how so many of these murders back in the day was always for insurance.
0: I know, right? Even today, dude.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. Do you ever watch?
0: Well, do you ever watch Mike O? That chapter?
1: Oh no, I guess I've never seen that.
0: I feel like you would love him. He's a YouTuber. Oh my God, Jonathan, I think you would love him. All right, so let's go to the other Robert. Remember her um, her husband, Robert Franklin? Yes,
3: yeah. yeah, yeah. The
0: second husband, the one that she's married to for 16 years. He, the, He's the alcoholic. Not long after this, in 1945, he goes on a big bender and comes home, and he wants him a little, he wants him a piece. And she's like, nope, you're drunk, you're gross, I don't want to do this. No. So he actually... Rapes his wife. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the next day, she put rat poison in his corn whiskey jar, and Mm. he was dead by nightfall.
3: Wait, wait, wait. this is her husband. Daughter. The daughter killed her husband. Now,
0: no, no, this is nanny.
3: But it was the daughter that got raped, and then she retaliated by killing the man.
0: No, it was nanny that got raped by her own husband. He came oh, home. that
3: that. OK, I, I got you. I'm sorry. They're
0: both Roberts. I know that it's confusing. Um, the little boy was also named Robert, the one that the one that she killed. Yeah. She put rat poison in his corn whiskey jar and he was dead by nightfall. So now what do we do? Oh, we find another husband, y'all. We're going to number three.
3: And now she's getting good at it.
0: Now she's getting now she's getting good at it and getting a taste for it. So third husband, husband number three, his name is Arlie Lanning. She met him because she put a little ad in the Lonely Hearts column. Uh, You know, looking for companionship. Um, They got married three days after meeting. So remember, she's a romantic. So they're writing love letters to each other and all these things. I you would know, never like kill she's, you.
3: She's got poison. this.
0: She's got this idea of the perfect man and being swept off her feet and being taken care of. So letters are one thing. It's kind of like meeting somebody online versus meeting somebody in person or texting somebody rather than being up front with them and talking to them. You have time to think about things. You have time to craft your responses, you know? So she's absolutely in love with this man. They marry three days after they meet in person. Well, turns out he's a womanizer and an alcoholic as well. So she has a type. Hmm. But unlike before in this marriage, she would vanish for like months on end and then come back And be like the doting wife, you know, and it was just like this weird dysfunctional relationship. Well, in 1950, he, Arlie, suddenly dies. You're kidding. And I'm right. (laughs) What? Um, The doctors chalk it up to heart failure and alcoholism because, you know, you're you're already. As you do. As you do. And then his last words were reportedly it must have been the coffee. Uh which is a strange thing of note, put a pin in that she, again, like I'd said, she was, people liked her. Like she had this, this very magnetic personality, very sweet and smiley. So the community was just like this poor darling, like they community like rallied around her. Um, because soon after that, right after she moved her stuff out, uh, because she was planning to relocate, um, Her house burned to the ground mm. and she collected a bunch of insurance I money. I was
3: about to say, I bet she had a great insurance policy.
0: What? I know. And so, you know, she's got nowhere to live. So she goes and stays with her late husband, Arlie's mother, Um, offers to take care of her because she had a broken hip. And so she's like, well, you know, I need a place to stay. You need to be taken care of. I'll come take care of you. Well, don't you know, she dies very mysteriously in her sleep very soon. Mm. And
3: probably after, had an insurance policy, right? I was about to say that.
0: I mean, well, and it's just like, okay, well, she's just going from pillar to post. Poor thing. Where is she going to go? Where well, her sister, Dovey, who is also um, a bedbound, you know, woman, um, says, you know, come stay with me. I'll, you know, you can come help take care of me. Oh, you poor darling. So she moves in with her bedbound sister, Dovey, who dies soon after she moves in. Woo!
1: Her own sister this time?
0: Dude. Set them up, knock them down. Well, now what's she going to do? Any guesses?
2: Uh, put out another column. For- <laughs> Live a long... Actually, I'm sorry. I really do need to backtrack for a second. and sure. just I was looking for a gap in the conversation, but it didn't stop. Um, accounting for inflation, how long is three days to get married in modern times? <laughs> 48
0: hours. 48 48- <laughs>
2: That's it. That's the joke. Uh, I'll be here all night, kid.
0: <laughs> You're so stupid. <laughs> oh my God. Hey. All right. So you guessed it. You guessed it. I don't know how y'all, how, how'd you even come up with it? But yes, she's looking for love again. What? This time she joins the Diamond Circle Club, which is a dating service in North Carolina. And she meets Dick Morton. Ooh. She met Dick. All right. Uh, yep. Um, So she meets Dick Morton, Richard L. Morton, and they get married in Kansas. He's not an alcoholic, but he's a womanizer, too. So he immediately, immediately is cheating on her. You know, I mean, not even secretly like it is is known. He is just hoeing it around town. Um,
3: Wait till he finds out what happens to
2: people that cheat on her. Whale. And also it happens to people that don't cheat on her.
0: Hello. Oh, yeah,
2: Any, pretty much anybody.
0: <laughs> anybody in her orbit needs to be very afraid. Yeah, you know those
3: people so, you just get the feeling like, hey, I probably shouldn't know you at all.
0: Right. Well, he's gone all the time. Um, nanny's mother, Louisa, comes to live with the couple. And um, in 1953, in January, she dies. What? Her mama. What? Yeah.
3: What a surprise!
0: What? And then, how about this? Put this in your pipe and smoke it. Three days later, she poisons Richard's coffee with arsenic, and he dies too.
3: So I'm going to guess that arsenic was her go-to.
0: Yes, sir. Yeah. And hey, remember what Arlie said? His last words must have been the coffee. It must have been the coffee.
3: Was it almond flavored coffee? No. No,
0: nothing. But <clears throat> another thing that she was famous for was her use of stewed prunes. She would make not only stewed prunes, but like cakes and stuff. And she was very good at it. And she basically found a way to incorporate stewed prunes into the diets of the people around her. Oh, what, you having constipation? Here's some stewed prunes. Oh, you have stomach issues, mom? Here's stewed prunes. Um, Oh, you like dessert? Here, my cake is famous, and the thing about something super sugary, if you've ever had prunes or dates, um, they are very sugary.
3: I've been on a date. They were so they sugary.
0: So they mask the taste of arsenic very well. Oh. So that was her way of getting it to them. And when she couldn't use prunes, I mean, she really used to, coffee.
3: Do you really have to mask the taste? Because I feel like if by the time you taste it, you're kind of screwy
0: no, apparently arsenic is very very identifiable because it tastes like almonds.
2: Why not make almond cookies?
0: <laughs> well, I don't know. Prunes were her thing. She liked it a prunes. So, yeah, the body count is rising. Well, here she is. Mom, her mom has died. Her fourth husband is dead. What do we do now? Get married. Well, yeah, we put another we put another ad out. So this time she meets Samuel Doss, which is the name that she uh, has. She's Nan- Nanny Doss. Yeah. So he's different. He is a different breed. Unlike his. He kills her first. Previous. Well, as if huh? we wish, but no, <laughs> um, not how it went down. So unlike the previous husbands, he is not an alcoholic, not a womanizer. He is, in fact, a minister um, and he lost his previous family really tragically in a tornado.
3: Um, trying trying a new flavor out, I guess. Oh.
0: You know, yeah, changing it up just a little bit. He was lovely to her, but he was boring. And so she was not oh, That's getting, not
3: romantic at all.
0: No, boring because he, he hated getting,
1: perhaps and he was immune to arsenic.
0: <laughs> well, boring <laughs> because he didn't indulge in things like sweets. Um, oh. Because that was, he, he wanted to, you know, eat... <laughs> <laughs> Eat well. And um, you know, so
3: he didn't enjoy eating arsenic.
0: Right. He didn't. So she found faults she felt found a lot of faults in him. He was also short. So it's like, okay, whatever. But they were married in Oklahoma in Some people 1953. just can't be happy, man. Well, the, you're not dealing with a rational person here. You know, I, I feel like that was just smokescreen for the fact that she was a sociopath
3: among other things i'm sure
0: so they're married um she is not feeling it and the straw that broke the camel's back was those romance novels she absolutely loved and was still reading well into her adulthood well into being a grandmother she still loved her magazines and her books um they had actually split for a brief amount of time and she came back to try to make it work. But when she came back, she brought all of her romance novels with her and he forbid them to be in the house.
2: This man hated Fabio.
3: not going to read that smut.
0: Well, that's what, I mean, he's a minister and he's thinking, you know, this is not, this is not okay. This is, you know, I don't like this. These are, these are very, you know, lusty books, old dirty books, you know? And he was, He was like, I don't want these in my house. And she was like, oh, hell no. So, so she tries to poison him, unbeknownst to him. What? But because... I know. But
2: because he
0: won't eat the prune cakes and stuff, she has to figure out another way. So, she is slowly spiking his coffee, his nightly coffee, with arsenic. Well... You have to be careful because they can taste it. So it's not like it was before where she could just give people a big old hunk of cake and they eat it. It's full of arsenic and they die. (coughs) Sorry.
3: But even if they taste it, wouldn't they die because they ate it?
0: Well, depending on how much they ingest. Yeah.
3: Well, put a shit ton of it.
0: Well, you put a shit ton of it. They taste it Uh, and stop drinking it. You take one tiny sip. It's not enough to kill you. But if you drink a whole cup, you know, where it's dissolved in it. Over and over and over again,
2: especially well, coffee. You're not chugging hot coffee,
0: right? Right. You're,
2: you're so, sipping it slowly. So as soon as the arsenic flavor hits your tongue, you're to be like, hmm, "This ain't right."
3: This ain't out. right. But see, yeah, that, that's why she. It it it's proof that she's not very smart because what you do is you get a shot glass and you say, "Here, shoot this," and you just put a crap ton of arsenic in it. I don't.
0: Well wait, don't get ahead of me.
2: He's drinking like tequila. Yeah,
0: night. he's a minister. He doesn't well, not know how to do guy. shots. Not that guy. But we're well, talking wait. about this guy. We're talking about this guy, man. So in September of 1953, he is rushed to the hospital because you got to think he's he's being poisoned slowly slowly slowly, horrible abdominal cramping, Liver vomiting. Yeah, so they keep him in the hospital for 23 days, I believe is what it was. Um and they think he's got like this GI tract, this digestive tract infection that's very severe. Let me guess.
3: Never missing his coffee, right?
0: No, 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 no. He he did miss his coffee and she's there by his side. The doting wife supporting him. Well, he gets discharged home after successful treatment. <laughs> he, gets, he gets discharged on like the 9th of October. And uh, she was like, yeah, F all that. She gives him a giant dose in a cup of coffee and he dies October 12th. <laughs> Jesus but so this is where later? she. This is three days later. So, so. She it really, three up. days later. Really, she was We're like, like a oh, lot this, lot episode, of here.
2: this episode's name is now three days later.
0: Three days later. That's all. That's all she can tolerate. She's like, uh, uh-uh, uh, seventy-two hours, and I'm done with this bullshit. Like, she's she's over it. She has a time frame, and she has a type. So, this is where she screws up, because the GI doctor that took care of her husband Samuel. As soon as he heard that he had died, was like, uh-uh, something stinks here. This is not good. So he asked to do an autopsy. It's about time. And, and it's believed that Nanny would have refused the autopsy, but he was smart. And he asked her in a room full of people that were listening.
3: Ah. Oh. So
0: she couldn't say no. She was like, of course, if you think it's necessary. So they said almost immediately upon starting the autopsy. I do not know. I'm gonna have to look it up. I do not know what they used to identify it at that time, but it was evident that there were massive levels of arsenic in this man's system.
3: So she did like
2: I said, and just said, fuck it, she, just Exactly. dose the hell
0: out of him. Time to die, dude. You know, she like
2: really messed up is not offering the doctor a slice of cake. A slice Yeah. <laughs>
0: Ah, oh, you lapse in manners is your undoing. Um, So Doc is like, yup. And immediately calls the police. She was arrested the same day. So they have her in custody and she's denying, denying, denying. And basically what they do is they say, you know what? You can go the easy way or the hard way, the hard way. We dig and dig and dig. Literally, we dig up these bodies of all these people that have died in your orbit and we test them and we prove it that way. And you can put everybody and everything through this or you can just tell us what you did because we know that you did this. And. The way they get her to confess is that they agree that she can keep her romance novels and magazines. <laughs> and really? she starts singing like a canary, y'all. She confesses to killing four of her five husbands Jesus. her mother, her sister, her mother in law, and her grandson. She you don't, never you don't confessed. Miss she never confessed to the daughters or the granddaughter, the little baby. She she did not confess to those, but she confessed to all the others. And it's believed that those that her two children and her her baby granddaughter were also her victims. So a total of eleven people are, are given credit to this woman. So she gets or likely the, more, right? Who, who knows? She gets the name the giggling granny. Because when they would ask her during her entire confession, she was constantly smiling and giggling all while she was recounting how, how she would go step by step and poison people. So basically it was the stewed prunes. She would find a way to incorporate that into their diets. Um, I believe what I heard was that the morning that her two middle girls died, Melvina ate toast and the baby breastfed. But she fed the two middle girls something else. And that was the quote unquote food poisoning. Jesus. And then with her husband that didn't like sweets, she did coffee um, with her drunk husband who would drink the corn whiskey. She she spiked his corn whiskey, um, you know, so she and as she's recounting these things, she's smiling and giggling and little fits of laughter and just
3: That's not creepy at all.
0: Like Mrs. Claw's. Murdering.
3: But was that a ploy?
0: No. They said she was just... uh, mm,
3: I think this lady was absolutely out of her mind.
0: Absolutely out of her damn mind. And she was actually working on hubby number six. She had already roped in a dairy farmer in North Carolina named John Keel that she was exchanging romantic letters with. So she was ready to... She was moving on to the next one.
1: Named John Keel?
0: John H. Keel, K E E L. Why does that name sound familiar?
1: uh, Because that came straight out of Mothman. Is that why that name sounds familiar? Yeah, isn't that the same? Wasn't there a John Keel involved in Mothman?
0: It's if not, it's very similar. I thought that sounded familiar too. Interesting.
1: Oh, John Keel is the guy that wrote the book, the Mothman book.
0: They have the same name? Maybe it's the same
1: guy. No, this guy wasn't born now. I just pulled him up. Born 1930 in Hornell, New York.
0: Yeah, this took place in, uh, would, just, that, that would have made him in his 20s. There's no it way. It just
1: took me off guard. I was like, wait, what? No,
0: good catch. Um, so when she was asked why she did it, she giggled and said, it was never about the money. Quote, it was always about love. I was searching for the perfect mate, the real romance in life. And when she was asked about her conscience after all this killing, she simply replied, clear. Wow. Yeah. She was charged for Samuel's death. That was actually the only one that she was charged for. Um, Death penalty was not on the table at the time because of her gender. Uh, Oh, really? Yeah.
1: They didn't want to kill a woman. She was like, conscience uh, poisoned it 10 years ago.
0: (laughs) Right. Hello, it's dead. (laughs) (laughs) It's dead. Um, She pled guilty May 17th, 1955 to the murder of Samuel Doss and was given life in prison at Oklahoma State Penitentiary. Uh, On her way out of the courtroom, her daughters were there crying and standing there looking haggard and sad. She smiled and giggled and told her daughters, take it easy. Don't worry. I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) In prison, she was only allowed to work in the laundry um, she really wanted to work in the kitchen and they were like, no, <laughs>
2: I love to work
3: in the bakery
0: actually.
3: <laughs> I know a great prune recipe.
0: They were like, no bitch, absolutely <laughs> not. I mean, for um, the record,
3: I kind of want to try like prune something now.
0: Prune cake. It's I don't think supposed I've ever really had, good? I've never had prunes. Prunes. They make you poop. Um, so she eventually died of leukemia in the prison hospital at the age of 59 on June 2nd, 1965, after serving about 10 years of her life sentence, um, always was smiling, happy, uh, giggly, effervescent type chick it was always her personality. Um, but yeah, so never, she never expressed a, any remorse.
3: You said she had a brain injury or like a head injury?
0: Yeah, when she was nine. So. Either nine see, or seven. That, some sources said seven of, and some sources said nine.
3: That's got to be part of it, Right.
0: Oh, yeah, that's that's absolutely um, a characteristic of serial killers. Um, Child abuse and head injuries are a big, big common denominator.
3: And you got both right there.
0: Yeah. So let me show y'all pictures of this lady.
3: Oh, I've been Googling the whole time. Yeah, I've been Googling, Look at
0: her. Doesn't she look like just the sweetest little grandma? Like, she's very unassuming and like you know, can I can just pick, She's so she's from Alabama, so she's got that little twang, you know, like, hi there, I'm going to kill you with some cream cake, you know, and it's, it's so crazy to me, and I've never heard of her before, and I saw the giggling granny, I was like, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so what do y'all think? That's the story of the giggling granny, Nanny Doss.
1: I'm going to have to ask Anna if she ever heard about this, because that whole thing's not far from where they're from, too. Uh huh. Because I mean, she's
3: from out that way, too, huh? Yeah.
1: That's well, okay. I mean, Rainbow City, Gadsden,
0: Gadsden, yeah, yeah. Gadsden and Aniston are very close. So yeah, yeah. She's crazy pants.
2: Yeah, no, she just wanted <laughs> love. She's goddamn romance novels got her.
1: She kept saying, "I wanted the perfect mate." Okay, but why are you killing children? Your mother. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Who was it? I'm trying to think of that. Oh, uh, Charlie, Charlie something, the killer nurse. They did a, uh, a, a documentary about him and then a show with Eddie Redmayne.
3: Oh, I never did see that.
0: Charlie, Charlie Cullen. So he was this ICU nurse that was spiking bags of fluids with insulin and killing people. And his whole shtick was, you know, he wanted to, he saw people doing poorly and wanted to spare them um, suffering. So mm. he was like an angel of death kind of thing, but he was spiking random bags in the supply room. So they could have reached anyone. Well, I mean. So it's like, okay, well, there's a hole in your explanation, sir. Yeah. If you really had people that you were like, oh, I can't stand to see them suffer. Wouldn't you do it specifically to that person and only that person?
3: But I mean, isn't everyone in life suffering?
0: You know, whatever, whatever. I don't you know, know. It's
1: weird that we said in the beginning of this. Um, if any of the mobs have applicants out um, and looking for <laughs> people, she looks like I don't know if it's somebody that played a mob person in a show,
0: Mafia Mama.
1: Oh uh, yeah, like she. The face looks familiar. And I know I know I haven't heard this
2: story before, so it's not the mob lady from the Goonies.
0: (laughs) Is that it? Throw mama from the train. Here's your water.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It's wet, isn't it? Drink it. Tastes like
2: prune, don't it?
0: (laughs) What did y'all think?
2: She's definitely insane.
0: (laughs) Definitely insane. The giggling granny and there's an interview with her in 1957 um a little video so what what time period was all this so she was born in at the turn of the century 1905 so this was the 20s through
1: the 50s yeah 55 i mean 05 to 65
0: mm-hmm. yeah looking at her
3: glasses that that tracks she looks like she's in the 50s 05 to
1: 65 so she only lived 50 what 50 years that's not, am, am, did I math that right? That's
3: not, she's, She wasn't that old. I think she died at 59. They,
1: she died said. at
0: 59.
3: Yeah. She died at Uh-oh. 59
0: years old. Can y'all hear what I was playing?
3: Mm-hmm. No. No. Huh? no.
0: Okay. There's an interview with Nanny Doss when she was in prison. And it's this guy interviewing her about being in prison. And it's super creepy. Like she is, you can tell she's got them crazy crazy ass eyes. That's what they based Those the Joker Ma- on, I'm sure. Those Manson lamps, as uh <laughs> go from that chapter said. Like she she just I don't know, you can tell that there's something nuts going on in there. <laughs> so take a look at that. That's that's really yeah kind of spooky. But yeah, I just I had never heard of her before and I was like, this is crazy. Like I bet the guys have never heard of her either.
3: So you know? just came across it Googling?
0: Yeah, like I said, I was I was trying to find a, a killer barber. And so I was looking kind of along the lines of, you know, crazy murders you've never heard about or um, like serial killers you've never heard of. And it said the giggling granny. And I was like, ooh, what's that? <laughs>
2: you got to check her search history because I bet she was actually Googling how to kill husband with arsenic.
0: Hello. I mean, probably. <laughs> Hello. I
2: wouldn't blame her.
0: On hQ. Why are you blocking
3: me? Oops, she's on a list. They're blocking her.
0: I am. They found looking me.
3: Looking at mob serial killers. And
1: I know. They arsenic. found me.
0: Dang. I, I've I've said too many of the words and now I'm canceled.
1: She does have weird eyes, though. I was looking at that video you sent. Crazy eyes. Crazy eyes.
0: She is yeah, not judgmental she, of you. No, not judgmental. Astute. <laughs> That's good instincts is what that is.
2: Y'all yeah, just don't understand love.
0: Uh, clearly not. So it is John H. Keel. I just want to make sure because now you got me worried that I accidentally like transposed something from Mothman.
1: No, no, um, no. I don't think you did. The, uh, I mean, it, I'm sure it's Keel. It just struck me as
0: strange. No, I'm uh, and I kept thinking that name sounded familiar. His name is John Keel. That is a crazy coincidence. Wow. No, they're both. That's right. They're both named John Keel. Keel spade so the same
1: way, K-E-L. Spelled the
0: same, yeah. The only difference is the middle initial.
3: Hmm.
0: Weird. But yeah. John
3: Creese is the one I was thinking of from uh, Cobra Kai.
0: Oh, okay.
2: What about that, John that's Cleese what, from Monty Python? Hey, yeah. From
0: Monty Python. Yay. <laughs> Keep calm and walk silly.
2: That's Man. John Cleese, right?
0: it's completely different. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're going to have to
3: do another serial killer at some point, do the guy from HOMA. Yeah. They got that one and they got the Baton Rouge serial killer. We could see some local ones.
1: It is crazy about the coincidence with the John Keel thing though. And then the fact that she did everything in threes or well, not everything, but a lot of things happened in threes and...
3: And I think Mothman poisoned people with arsenic too, right? <laughs> he,
0: he sure did. And his name was John Keel. Dun, dun. <gasps> and he had a nanny. Ah! All right. Y'all have any closing thoughts on the giggling granny? <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> what the hell that's what she sounded
1: like oh that's what she sounded like
0: oh i love prunes and killing people all right well wow. there we go all right thank you guys for listening thank you um again to andrea uk anonymous andrea for her story Follow us on all the social medias and make sure to like, share, and comment on our posts. Let us know how we're doing and suggest new episodes ideas. We love to hear them. If you want to share a personal story with us or be a guest on a future episode, email us at strangewoodspodcast at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook fan page where we chat and share strange memes. Don't forget to check out our website at strangewoodspodcast.com, where we have show notes and share pictures and details about each episode. And as always, thank you for listening. And also, don't forget, we have merch at bootiesapparel.com. B-O-O-T-E-E-S-A-P-P-A-R-E-L.com.
3: Stay strangers. Later.
2: Nothing sweeter than the listeners of Jonathan, Jeremy, and Peter.